Apple Presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, IndieWire's Eric Cohn. Hey, guys. It's so great to be here. All of these talks are, are, tend to be pretty interesting, but from IndieWire's perspective, we couldn't ask for a better excuse to get together and have a conversation about independent filmmaking than to talk about a new Andrew Bujowski movie. Um, it's weird to think about it, but Bujowski is a name that we've been talking about for a really long time, going back to his first movie, Funny Haha, ha, and his, he's also made some really great character studies on a variety of different levels, uh, beeswax, mutual appreciation, and there are, there are always these really surprising ways of seeing the way that people communicate uh, that come from all these different perspectives, whether it's a very small story or a much bigger one. Uh, but Results, the movie that we're going to talk about today, is, is definitely uh, his most ambitious movie in the sense that it, it is a much bigger project with uh, some actors you may recognize from other kinds of movies and uh, some uh, a way of playing with genre that we haven't really seen him do before. So there's a lot of exciting new stuff going on here, but it's also a good sort of gateway for looking at what he's done before. So we should be able to have a really interesting conversation, I hope, not only talking with Andrew, but also with, with uh, two of the great actors who are in the movie about what that means to kind of go from doing very particular kinds of movies to doing something that might be opening up that style to more people. So before we bring them out there, let's take a look at the trailer for results. How's that cupcake? Busted. I was gonna put it in my food log. Oh no, look. I truly don't give a S-H-I-T if you lie to me. But if you lie to yourself, right? Bye bye. I started Power for Life because I wanted to give people power for their own lives. What can we do for you? I wanna be able to take a punch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Clients love me, and if they're cool, I'm their best friend. The guy was weird, okay? He just gave off a weird vibe. I lead with my butt. See my form? Yes. I don't have anything in common with them except a couple abnormal kind of behaviors. We had some personal issues. And how did you handle that? You want to date me? Hmm? For a hundred bucks an hour, you have got to be the worst rich guy ever. It's not making me any less attracted to you. Hey, I'm in a movie. I'm gonna need you to keep your distance from Kat. If you try to contact her, the law won't be your only problem. Are you threatening him? Are you threatening me? You told me you wanted to learn how to take a punch. What do you think, you're ready? I didn't know you were this angry. Do yourself a favor. Just start dating some lovely thing who's gonna be nice to you. If you're gonna start to romance me, I'll stab you. You have feelings for me. You have no idea what's going on in your own brain. So I guess you're a boyfriend? No. Did I have a shot with you? The short answer is no. What's the long answer? No. Do you want to make out? I should just take out a restraining order on you. You really do sound married. So, please welcome to the stage director Andrew Bujowski and his two stars who are with us, Guy Pierce and Kevin Corrigan. Welcome, guys. Thank you. 
So, okay. um, let's start with you, Andrew. Your last movie, Computer Chess, was this very weird, surprising black and white period piece. And this is a totally different kind of movie. So, <laughs> how did you go to uh, make a comedy? <laughs> no. Um, like this. Uh, uh, I feel what? much comedy? better now. How, how, did, how did you go from that project to something that you know, at least from outside appearances, seems like it might be more mainstream. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it is, um, on, the, on the surface, uh, it's, it's a very different kind of deal and certainly uh, more mainstream, although I feel like I keep hearing this week that um, apparently it's just as weird, if not weirder. I can't help it. I, uh, but, I, but I did want to try to... Um, you know, I mean, this was something that had been hovering for for uh, for a long time. I mean, as soon as I made the first movie a million years ago, um, it's not it's not a particularly novel idea. But you know, everybody comes to you and says, like, "That's great. When are you going to do one with stars?" And um, uh, they're still saying that. They're still saying that. Yeah. They're still saying that. Um, and uh, so, you know, I mean, and 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 it's not like I mean, I grew up watching. Hollywood movies, and that, that's that's a huge part of my my education and my and my influence. I figured I would always, at some point in my life, get around to to doing something with professional actors. For a long time, I had, um, you know, kind of found a groove working with with non-professionals, and I still I still love working that way. I still um, I've learned so much in doing that, um, and it's not necessarily something I you know consider myself to be done with at all. Um, but, uh, but I did want to take a crack at, at the other thing, and I'd had all kinds of, you know, notions over the years of how I might do that, um, but, you know, sat down and, and tried to think of what specifically I, that might be, or what, you know, what kind of project might be, might be fun to do to put myself into that world, and to do something, you know, certainly I, I had some eye toward doing something a little bit more marketplace. For, I thought it would be cool to earn five figures on a movie. And I thought maybe I could think of a way to do that, um, but you know, the, the, there's I'm turned on by all kinds of movies, and um, just started thinking if I'm going to do something with professional actors, who, which professional actors, who do I want to work with? Um, and uh, and both of these guys leapt to mind for me. Kevin, somebody I've been a fan of for 20 years, and been friendly with the last few years, uh, and so you know, kind of I think always dreamed of working with him. And Guy, uh, I've also been a great fan of, and I'd had breakfast with Guy uh, a couple years earlier, and it was, I don't know, it was a great breakfast. I just, it, 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 uh, it, the man can eat breakfast. Thank you. Like nobody's business. Did I cook the breakfast? Um, I didn't no. cook the breakfast, did I? No, but you might have helped order. You know, I think you knew the menu better than I did. Right. Um, and uh, it just stuck with me. I mean, I, and you know, so I, I'd, I'd like the idea of working with Guy, and uh, immediately just imagining the two of them in the same room was kind of making me laugh. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a, they're, they're both brilliant actors, but obviously very different flavors, and I, and I wondered what kind of movie could, I could come up with that might absorb both their energies. And so just starting from that kernel worked my way to this, to this thing. It's, not, it's a cockamamie way to try to pull a movie together because uh, they're both incredibly busy working actors, and the chances that I would actually get uh, you know, schedules to line up and everything to work out and get both of them to come down to, to Austin and do this movie were not necessarily high. But even knowing that, even knowing, you know, well, maybe I don't get Guy and Kevin, still I, I was excited enough about um, 
where it was leading me that I wanted to, to see it through and get it on the page. And then when it actually worked out to get the both of them, I felt very blessed indeed. So Guy, going beyond that breakfast, what aspects of what Andrew has to offer as a filmmaker appealed to you? I mean, were you a fan of the other movies? Or? I, 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 knew of, um, I knew of Andrew's work uh, I think, I, I can't remember which film I saw first, to be honest, because then after the breakfast or around the time of the breakfast, I watched a couple of his films. And obviously, as Andrew indicates, uh, we got on very well at the breakfast, the famous breakfast. Um, and I just was really taken by his perspective and his, the way in which he makes films. It's unusual, it's unique, and, and is really satisfying, I find, as an audience member, but even more so as an actor, the prospect of, uh, working on something where you where you highlight and and explore all those uh, those those sort of details that exist uh, within sort of communication that are sort of that we, we find hard to talk about or that are awkward or or whatever uh, as well as all the other stuff but I just find that stuff really interesting you know um, I guess in a lot of other films you know things that can be quite conventional and and you know, you know you're, you're sort of aiming for this beast, etc. And uh, Andrew sort of breaks down those barriers and I, you know, I, I, I really feel excited by that. So, you know, the idea of doing something together was, was really appealing. Yeah, and Kevin, in, in your case, I mean, this role is, you're hilarious and, and playing this sort of klutzy guy who has more money than he knows what to do with and spends it in all these reckless sort of ways. But it's, it, you know, the character keeps sort of revealing himself to you. So. Tell us a little bit about sort of what appeals to you about this kind of role. Um, well, uh, I, I, I guess uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. He, he's, he's sort of a um, a contrarian. It's fun to it's fun to play. You know. Uh, um, you know, uh, kind of a rogue, rogue-ish, rebel, rebellious, uh, uh, contrarian. You know, just like people talk about, like you, you really seem like you don't give a shit. You know, the guy. You know, and they people say that they like that about Danny. And I, I it's kind of surprising to me now. I don't know. I, I, I think you know, it was it was written very. Uh, uh, you know, it's just kind of, um, you know, pitched very accurately. You know, it was easy to step into. Uh, I mean, I, I, I look, I, I like playing, uh, you know, I, I like playing, you know, uh, uh, characters that are, tr you know, really screwed up. It's just a little more interesting. Yeah, and uh, Andrew, Andrew, you certainly you know, write them pretty well. I mean, if you look at sort of the different kinds of people that you've explored in the past, and you even played one in your first movie. Um, talk a little bit about the process of writing to that extent, the, the detailed elements of, of the script, because both of these actors have been referring to that, you know, sort of the, the elements of communication that are sort of infused with all these little moments throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, in some ways, I think writing, writing, writing a screenplay, writing for something that eventually will end up in the hands of, of actors, for, for me, I, I guess I always feel like I'm kind of, you know, it's my job maybe to present them with the, the rough sketch that they're going to go and 
make a, what's the, where's my metaphor go? A painting? What do you say? What's the word for like a nice painting? A nice painting, a, a, nice a Picasso. A, well, okay, a Picasso. I'm gonna do a little scrawl on a napkin and they're gonna go and... Picasso it. Picasso it. They're gonna Picasso all over yeah. it. Yeah, I think, I think they sell an, uh, the Picasso it app here. Um, Is that an acting app? It's an, yes, yeah. Um, but, they should uh, do an acting app, shouldn't they? An I, app I can't where, imagine that there, there isn't, there isn't one. one. Probably, yeah, I'm probably a bit behind on that. These guys all have it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so you know, in some sense, it's like I'm kind of doing, I'm I'm doing this you know light light acting work myself, just in terms of trying to inhabit, or or, or on, on some level think through who these who these people are, and that's uh, you know that's my approach to character always. I mean, to some extent, you know, I think so, I, to some extent, it's your job as as the writer to play God and put people you know, in the, in, the, in the right place at the right time or knock them down when they need to be knocked down and pull them back up. But the, um, f for better and or worse, my, I'm, I'm more interested in and, and more engaged in um, letting the, trying to fill out the people and letting them take the story where it needs to go rather than me pushing them around. And um, So for me, that, you know, that that's kind of requires like this very basic level of acting as I write, just hearing the voices in my head. So before we take a look at a clip, just to go back to the actors for a second, how did you guys know what you were going for? Because it's, the movie is very funny, as some of the, the pull quotes in the trailer point out, but it's sort of, it sneaks up on you. And there's, there's so many subtleties in terms of the tone that I can only imagine when you're on one side of the camera, you may not always know if it's translating. So talk about that challenge a little bit. Well, I think, you, I mean, we rehearsed, you know, we had a week of rehearsal and, and, you know, Andrew's there with us rehearsing and if it's not translating, he'll tell us pretty much, you know, so, and, and the great thing about rehearsing obviously is the, the exploration and trying things and, and trying to see how it fits, you know, um, I mean, it's, you always want to be successful at what you're doing and convincing at what you're doing, but you've also got to fit into the, the, the movie that you're doing. And each film requires, because of the tone of each film, it requires sometimes different levels of performance, you know. So that's always a little bit of a challenge to, to kind of get that right. But essentially that's what your director is for, you know, to, to, to keep an eye on that big picture and go, come back from Marvel Universe and get back into my universe, please, you know, or, or whatever, whatever the, the, sure. the, the instruction is, you know. Um, but, you, you know, once you start working together, once you start that rehearsal process and, you know, you, you, you're pretty immersed in it as, you, as you're taking off to start a film. So it becomes pretty automatic to a certain degree. And then obviously there's, you know, there are things throughout, you know, every time you do a scene, you're talking about adjusting something or am I right here and thinking that he should be this hot-headed at this moment or whatever so you're, you're always kind of molding and you know so uh, so yeah it's fairly um, you know it evolves naturally really yeah Kevin what about for you I mean on the one hand the character you're play playing I mean from the outset he's sort of a train wreck but he's also he's also a sweet guy and, he's, and you start to like him over the course of the movie so how, how do you do sort of figure out how to modulate those things I don't know I, I, I mean I, I don't know when we did it it seemed like we were making a documentary about ourselves. Um, but when I look at it now, just from, uh, with a bit of uh, perspective now, it's, uh, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm amazed more and more by, by your performance in it, Guy. Uh, it, it, you, Guy Pierce is a, an actor who reincarnates from one project to the next. And when I met him, I was like, it's Guy, Guy Pierce. But it's not, it's Trevor. And, and, and he, he was perfectly cast as Andy Warhol in a movie. And I say perfectly cast because as an actor, artist, he, you know, to, to look at Trevor now, it is like a, a, an Andy Warhol, like a pop art creation. <laughs> Trevor, you know? Uh, One of his pretty boys. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's, it's a... Uh, pretty amazing uh, uh, character that, that, that you created. Um, but when we were doing it, 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 it I, I, did, I had no sense that you were really acting. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you kind of erased those lines. But we're asking Beautiful you about your character. Work, I mean, did, you know? did you do that? Uh, did you feel that way too about the guy that, that you were portraying? It's a very different kind of... No, I, 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 I wasn't really going for anything, you know, except to try and be more relaxed than I was uh, in the last job I did. I mean, to me, that's, that's the eternal kind of uh, goal, Challenger. pursuit, is to just be, uh, uh, let me, you know, how, uh, you know I, I have so much tension, and uh, the challenge is always to, uh, to uh, uh, relax. Um, well, we can relieve you of that by watching a clip from the movie so you can get even more distance from the project. Why don't we roll the first one that we have? This is $25,000. Yeah, he wanted to pay for two years in advance, three sessions a week. I talked him down a bit, but not did he much. Hit, did he hit on you or something? Um, right, and how did you handle that? Poorly, okay, but he crossed the line, Trevor, and you know I can't handle it when the line is crossed. What, did he use inappropriate language or try and touch you? No, I mean, um, yes, he, he hired, like, a jazz band to sing to me. Jazz? Yeah, well, the fuck is, what? Jazz, maybe, maybe love songs or, or ballads. I'm not, I can't, I don't know what it was, but, but the, it was inappropriate, and I just, I don't think that we need him as a client, and I'm sorry that you didn't have your shit together to deposit this when I gave uh. it to you. No, I'm, I mean, I, I am genuinely sorry. I'm calling him. Hey, I'm in a movie. Danny, can you hear me? It's Trevor Menning from Power for Life. Listen, mate, um, I, I got your message, and I, I've just been talking to Kat here in my office. Oh, is she there now? Put her on. I, I, I'm going to need you to keep your distance from Kat, okay? I, I, I don't think there's any need to bring in any legal authorities at this time, but if you try to contact her, just to say that the law won't be your only problem, okay? Are you threatening him? Are you threatening me? <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, maybe you'll have a legal problem, Dick knows. I have an amazing lawyer. Well, one of the things that I really like about this movie is the whole ecosystem of the gym. You know, Guy's character is running this operation he's put together, but there's all these really neurotic characters who are kind of working with him and, and also in some ways working against him. So what, what was sort of your entry point or what appealed to you about sort of that world? 
The, the gym, you know, I, 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 I like any subculture, and I, and I think the gym thing, in a funny way, although it seems maybe uh, a world away from um, the computer programmers that, that who, my previous film, Computer Chess, was about a bunch of kind of late 70s, early 80s computer programmers, guys who in many ways kind of, you know, built this world we're all living in right now. Um, and I, I feel like there is a surprising kind of overlap with um, a lot of contemporary gym culture uh, that, that, and certainly the sort that, that uh, Guy's character Trevor is, is espousing, this, this culture of perpetual optimization, you know, that, uh, that, that everything in your life, all the products that are being sold around us now are, are about optimization, about, about taking your life and making it that much more convenient and making you that much more effective at whatever you're doing. And that's what, um, that's what these guys are doing. That's, 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 that's what his character is, is selling. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just attracted to that as a kind of, I feel like there's great, there's, there's something poignant and something comic about it. Um, this fact that, that most of us are, in one way or another, on some quest to, to better ourselves, or, or you know, if we're insane, then we think we can perfect ourselves. Um, and I think there's a real value to that. Obviously, you know, to, to, I don't have any, I don't make fun of anybody who goes to the gym. I don't make fun of anybody who goes to, like anything you wanna do to, to make yourself better, that's, that's great. I do feel like there's a human tendency to trick ourselves into thinking that we're gonna solve everything. That, that by, by doing whatever we're doing to better ourselves, we're finally going to take whatever that, you know, whatever those tensions are, whatever those anxieties we carry with us, that they're gonna go away if we can just, you know. Do 100 sit-ups. Do 100 sit-ups <laughs> or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever you're going for. Um, and, uh, and that is, that is kind of a wonderful territory for stories, I think. Yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, that was where I saw my way into this. And what about you, Guy? I mean, what was your relationship to that world? I mean, in terms of the gym ecosystem and all that stuff. <clears throat> well, I've, I've been in and out of gyms for, um, for probably 30 odd years. So, uh, so I was very familiar with different forms of, of um, gyms and training. And, and, you know, interestingly, because it has been over such a long period of time, I've seen different fads come and go as well, you know. And uh, it's funny that the, we reference kettlebells in, in this film because the gym that I go to at home in Australia, there's kettlebells everywhere now and I, I hate the silly things, you know, they sort of... And, and the, the sort of the, the fad nature behind the use of things like that and whatever happens to be in. And like when I first started going to gyms in the 80s, my mum was going to aerobics and I was lifting weights. And so I remember, and we all remember that, that the, the, the obsession and the fad nature of aerobics and, and you know, that just kind of keeps shifting from, from one technique to the next, whether it's spinning or soul cycle or what, you know, all these new kind of things that are all supposedly this almost religious um, uh, kind of answer, as, as Andrew says, to, to, you know, to whatever problems we, we think we have. So, so, and I've gone through those phases myself. I've felt obsessed before and then been able to step back from it. So, you know, the great thing about doing this film was I, I really felt that I'd 
I'd experienced this world and kind of grown up with it in a way. I mean, I was probably 14 when I started going to the gym. And, um, you know, so I, one of the things that I've always found fascinating about it is just observing the people that go and observing the trainers that train there and the owners and kind of what's hidden behind everything that is presented in that, in that muscular physique or that fantastic physique, you know. So, yeah, it's a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting world. I felt I, I felt I didn't have to do any research. Uh, you know. and, and Kevin, one of the great sort of charming elements of the movie is the way that your character is sort of manipulating that whole system, you know, just calling up the gym to bring a trainer to your house just for the company or whatever. So what was your relationship to that world and how did you sort of identify with the character in that sense? Well, I, I, I identify with the not wanting to work out in front of people. Maybe we had that discussion because we did. that's we did. Yeah. me all the way. Uh, I, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, against the idea of, 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 like, exercising. I just don't like doing it in front of other people. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I, I also um, <clears throat> get, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's hard for me to keep up the momentum, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll have a burst of... of uh, you know, enthusiasm about it, and, and uh, you know, I'll work out for a, a couple of weeks, and then not work out again for a year, you know, or two. <laughs> uh, uh, just, just because, uh, I don't know, lazy, I don't know, I don't like sweating, I don't, I'm not happy about the summer being here, uh, I don't like the heat, I don't like heat, I, I don't like that much physical exertion. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, um, but I, I mean, I do got to get to the gym. I, 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 I'm sitting here like pulling on myself. It's like I got to do something about this, you know? I, I, I mean, I, I, I have to optimize. <laughs> it's time, you know. It's time to optimize. You're in the right place to optimize. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like the movie is coming alive in front of me listening to you guys talk. Uh, but why don't we play another clip and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. just at a birthday party. Barrett, do you remember my trainer cat? Can you say hi? Hey buddy, how's that cupcake? Oh my gosh, busted. Technically it was Barrett's, but I did have a couple bites and I was gonna put it in my food log. Oh no, look, I am not the food police. I think it's pretty Laura. obvious by now. I'm not perfect about food and I'm not trying mm -hmm. to be. Also, uh, you're behind on payment, Laura. Oh, mm -hmm. what? You know, it doesn't bother me. 
if you lie to me. I, I truly don't give a SHIT. But if you lie to yourself, right? Bye, bud. So before we go to an audience Q&A, it's actually it's an interesting question about just the resources at your disposal. I mean, there are a lot of filmmakers we see who will work on a certain level for a really long time, and then maybe they'll take some meetings and things don't really go anywhere. It sounds like you've, you've tried Taking that Taking some out. meetings, yeah. Yeah. I see your producer lurking around here somewhere, and I know that it helps to have certain people kind of enable you or at least open doors for you. But talk a little bit about sort of what that process has been like now that you've actually gotten to that point where you made at least on some level, a bigger movie. Yeah, which process? The process of going to Get, Getting it done, and then, you know, how does it affect what you want to do now? Uh, well, you know, certainly, I don't know. I mean, we're, I'm kind of figuring that out. I, on some level, look, you, I mean, for me, I, I can't get up in the morning and make something unless I'm excited about the project, unless, unless I want this thing to be in the world and it's, it's gonna be fun for me to do. So in that sense, it's kind of, it's always, it's always personal. Um, but, uh, and then sort of the, the career chips fall where they may. I, I have to be more conscious of that stuff now than I used to be because I'm, I, I am older and I do have kids and, uh, and I do have a mortgage. And so I, this, I, I kind of, I've, I've, I'm starting to try to get in the habit of when I have an idea that I'm really excited about, I go, hang on. <laughs> is uh, how much, how many years is it gonna take me and how much money am I gonna lose and how much, how much uh, you know, further will it set me back in the world of money? Um, and, and, I, and I have to make that calculation now, which I don't like making. Um, but then, you know, what it, what it means is it, uh, that I do try to, try to give a little more thought to, well, is there, anything, is there anything that is exciting to me that also fits in the world of not losing so much money? Um, and, uh, but I, you know, I go down a list, but then I've got, I've got 20 ideas and there's 20 things I can get excited about. So, so we'll see. As far as what this does for me career-wise, it's, it's really kind of anybody's guess at this point. I don't know. Um, I do know that it's another for eccentric movie. It's not, it's not down the middle and it's not, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a blockbuster calling card movie. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting the, uh, the blockbuster calls now, but that's probably just as well because I don't think that's necessarily what I'm what I'm good at. Um, so I don't know. Was well, I answering your question, no, or did I just go on a freakout unrelated? A little bit of both, but okay. I mean, it's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a good segue to hearing the actors input on this. I mean, guy, in, in your situation, it seems like you bounce back and forth. You know, it's like for every Iron Man movie, there's a Memento movie. So, you know, how do you find that? And, and some fans for both sides of the equation. So how do you sort of reconcile those two kinds of projects? Well, I, I, I mean, it's funny. That the, the Iron Man thing gets referenced a lot, and to me that's like a really one-off, out-of-the-box mm -hmm. kind of uh, film out of the 40-odd films that I've been in, you know. So um, I don't know. I just read scripts, and if I if I'm moved by the character and I'm moved by the story and I feel like I can inhabit it, then I want to go and do it. And so whether it's big or it's small, it doesn't sort of matter, to be honest. I mean, you know, when something like Iron Man comes along, yes, you are aware of what it will do for you. I mean, having said that, it's not even so much about what it will do for you. It's more just about, I suppose, because it's a bit hard to say when you're playing a role like I did in Iron Man, then you kind of don't know what, this, what the ramifications might be, you know. 
Um, but you do know it's going to be a different experience. You do know that it's going to be seen by a lot more people than most other films just because that's how those films start. They just roll out instantly in, in like 5,000 cinemas across the country. So, so you're aware of that stuff, but it doesn't really affect whether you do it or not. You know? So to me, the, the choosing of a job has to always be about my reaction to the script, you know. And, and, and I get personally excited about some things more than other things for all sorts of different reasons, you know. It might be more about a role on one job or it might be more about a director on another job or it might be more about the location or something. I mean, it's usually got to be about the director or the role, to be honest. So, but I don't consciously try to sort of flit between those two sort of um, extremes, I guess. You know, I feel, I feel like, you know, I, I, I feel like I do a lot more lower budget things than, than not, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Kevin? I mean, you've done all, all kinds of different movies, and in a lot of cases, you know, you're identified as a character actor of sorts, but then this is more of a, a prominent role. So how do you go about sort of figuring out the sort of things that appeal to you? Uh, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I, uh, it's kind of, I, I, it's, it's, I, I go about it the same way I go about uh, um, listening to music, really. Uh, um, you know, I, I go through the, you know, uh, in the record store, I just go through the bins, you know, the used section. You know, uh, I, I just look for, you know, odd oddities and rarities and I'm like, oh, wow. This looks interesting, or you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I look at the, you know, I like to listen to the B sides and 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 go into the the deep cuts, and and just sometimes I'll, you know, uh, uh, just uh, listen to, just, just I'll just spin the wheel, you know, and see where it lands, you know. Um, um, but I, I, you know, I, I like, uh, um, I like, you know, I've always liked weird arty kind of films, you know. Um, I like to watch them, and, and I like to be in them too. Uh, you know, oh, I have an agent too. <laughs> Sometimes uh, sends me scripts, and I'll read them. And uh, you know, if if if, if uh, there's an interesting actor or interesting director, and I, I just don't say no to anything really too. I I, I don't really feel like I, I can afford to to say no. So if anyone wants to pitch Kevin something tonight, it's yeah. uh, open for business. Throw it up on the stage here. <laughs> uh, we got time for some questions from the audience. Uh, hi, um, I have a question for the actors in terms of uh, independent films and small roles. Um, is that a guilty pleasure? Because I notice um, a lot of independent actors or mainstream actors will delve into like a character that's on screen for like 25 minutes or go to something really independent what is it about that like uh mr pierce for example did the road what what uh, attracted you to like that 10 minute clip at the end of the movie even though it was really good it, and i noticed that's become more mainstream to get those small roles and immerse yourselves within them um well personally i'd rather play bigger roles and not only be in a film for 10 minutes and i thank you for saying that but i, I reckon it's about three minutes um <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I did that film because I'd worked with that director before, and I, you know, I, I just really enjoy his his uh, company and his style, and and you know, he he asked me to do it, and uh, I was able to, and I I really wanted, you know, I saw something in it, but I just really it, that was really about the director, you know. Um, but I certainly wished that I was there for more than just that period of time for a couple of reasons. One, because it, it gives you more to sink your teeth into, but also there's something I find really um, enjoyable about the process of getting to know everybody and spending time with everybody and really immersing yourself in the film rather than just flying in and flying out, you know. And that was a weird one because I was doing Adam Sandler's bedtime stories and I had like four days off. So I flew to Pittsburgh, all kind of like, you know, hey, hey, everybody, what's going on? I'm, you know, doing this crazy cookie movie. And then I slipped into the road and realized I had to stop smiling. <laughs> and then got back on the plane and flew back to LA to carry on with bedtime stories. And everyone was like, are you okay? What's wrong? You know, I'm like, no, it's being really serious. So it was like, I couldn't have been more diametrically opposed <laughs> to what I was doing. So it was a very odd experience. But, you know, I think ultimately you, you want more of a role to sink your teeth into, really. The more screen time you have, the more, the more you can expand on something, you know. Hi, everyone. Uh, the movie looks great. Can't wait to check it out. Uh, my question's for Guy. Um, Guy, you've always been one of my favorite actors. Um, I think we can agree predominantly dramatic roles. I mean, you, you mentioned Memento and L.A. Confidential, and these are great movies that, you know, put you on the map and, you know. But I love when you go outside the box, and I remember you did a movie called The Lockout, where I, I see you even in the trailer and I'm like, all of a sudden, in two minutes, you convince me, wow, I want Guy Pierce to be an action star for the rest of his career. And now you do this movie and I'm like, I want Guy Pierce to be doing these quirky, dark comedies for the rest of his career. So I wonder, like, did, did you get bit by the bug at all? Do you think you might um, be, you know, kind of answering the calls for movies such as like this that may be, you know, kind of calling on you for your dramatic sense, but to sort of be the straight man within these more absurdist comedies? I. I think ultimately for me, it's, you know, it was funny after we did Lockout, a lot of people said, so are you going to continue now playing action heroes? And I went, absolutely not. I mean, I'm just going to keep doing whatever comes along that I find interesting, you know, and I, I have no compulsion to do the same thing twice. I've, I've worked in television enough at home in Australia to go, you know, I get a bit tired of playing the same role for, for, for too, too long a period, you know. Um, so, you know, to, to go from one film to another where you really vary what you, what you do is, is the greatest and most sort of exciting part of, of the job in a way. So, you know, I, I don't know where it, it, it will lead, you know. Well, in light of the uh, quirky uh, answers here in the quirky film, I wanted to ask a quirky question, which would be, if you guys did pick out a film you direct, to direct or a, a role to play or, or um, well, whatever your age, besides what your agency, if you were to pick a, a film that somebody else had done and you wanted to do, not as a remake, but just your own reinterpretation, what film would that be? And talk a little bit about it. Um, I don't know. It could be uh, Mean Streets for you, for example, or whatever. I think Kevin can perform Mean Streets for you, start to finish right now, if you'd like. Well, Ke you know, Kevin, and I, actually part of the genesis of this movie, I don't know if this answers your question or not, but Kevin and I years ago, we're both huge Rocky fans, and, um, and in particular, huge Rocky II fans. And at one point we had talked about doing a, uh, a production, a one-man show, Kevin Corrigan performs Rocky II. He, he, has, he has that memorized as well, he can do it. Um, do them both together. And, the, and, there's, and there's, there's some 
There's, there's some video, there's some test footage that exists. Um, but uh, yeah, that, was, that was one idea. And then, you know, it was a little too cockamamie for us to ever actually do. But the, the, some, of that, uh, some of that energy weirdly went into this movie. So I guess the answer to your question is, this is a remake of Rocky II. <laughs> I, I can't answer the question. I have absolutely no idea. And I have no, no ability to even imagine what I might want to sort of delve into. I'm sorry that I can't answer that question. It's a, it's a really interesting question. And it, yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, we should do that, man. We should. We shouldn't let that. Oh, I'll come and do Rocky too with these guys. Well, you know, yeah, and, my, and my well, my, my wife and I were kicking around. We were, we were watching some old episodes of Moonlighting. What a great show! Oh, what yeah. a great show! Yes, Civil Shepherd. Well, we're going to reboot Moonlighting, gender flop it, and you're in the Civil Shepherd role. That I can is, do that. Yeah, <laughs> I can do that. So that's 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 okay. our next project. Moonlighting. Does that mean Kevin's in the Bruce uh, Willis role? Or? Uh, hmm. I, yeah, I'll, I'll do the Curtis Armstrong. That's, that's role. the obvious choice. That's the obvious. That's the obvious choice. Maybe you could be Elise Beasley. That's okay. Working. Yeah, flip okay. it around. It's got potential. We could, yeah. This is for Andrew. Um, so you've been considered kind of the godfather of mumblecore, and um, I'm wondering how would you define mumblecore, and how would is you it a result oh. of kind of a budget limitation or is it a deliberate stylistic choice that you have made in your films? I want to point out that you actually m mentioned that word in an IndieWire interview yeah. around 2008 yeah. or so. Yeah, which 2005. Going which back Godfather ways, or Mumblecore? Yeah, guy invented the word Godfather. And um, it was a bit of an off-the-cuff remark, right? So it's it, well, if you, you and you can sense. go into the IndieWire archives and you can look up this interview from 2005 in which all credit to IndieWire for, for accurate journalism. If you, you know, the, there is context to this quote, and the context is me saying, um, you know, I heard, some, I heard some people talking about, you know, or, or some, some of you, some of y'all bloggers were, were saying there might be a movement afoot, and I said to my sound mixer, Eric Masanaga, hey, what, what would you call that movement? And he, as a joke, said mumblecore, and I thought it was funny, but to me, you know, at that in 2005, I didn't believe there was a movement, and I thought if there and if there is a movement, this is a dumb name for it, and 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 and, and, and if there is a movement, I don't, you know, I'm I'm getting out of it. Um, so and, and so and all that's in the original interview there, and then remarkably, the word kind of lay dormant for a couple of years, but um, I think it was in 2007 when when uh, Joe Swanberg made a movie. Uh, that, that myself and Mark Duplass also acted and that, that, that was the perfect storm of whatever the mumblecore thing was and then the word suddenly got this kind of traction and it's really been a kind of a wonder for me. It's been amazing to me to see, because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go to film festivals and, and I'll, I'll be interviewed by you know, European journalists and Asian journalists who are asking me about mumblecore and I'm like, oh shit, you've heard of, uh, you've, you've, you, you guys are talking about that in Korea? Why? Well, um, but some of this stuff must have been good. I mean, you talk but about it's had it. incredible reach, and and yeah. so and, and I've kind of made peace with it for for the first couple of years. I, uh, I I bristled at it because I thought I thought it was it was reductive and not necessarily it didn't say anything about the work. I, um, to me, if you if you take what I was doing and what Joe was doing and what the Duplasses were doing and whoever you want to assign to this cohort. Um, and you kind of reduce it to uh, 
to me, those, those common elements that were being picked out were the least interesting things about the movies. Um, and I thought there was a lot, certainly a lot to admire in those guys' works, which had nothing to do with Mumblecore. And I, and I hoped that, um, you know, me pouring my blood, sweat, and tears and, and uh, whatever I had into these movies was not, was not about that. I, I can't help but liken it to, um, I mean, I remember you know, grunge in the early 90s. And, th and there have been a million of these things, right? But I, I remember when grunge was big, listening to Nirvana and listening to Pearl Jam and going, I get that they both wear flannel shirts. This, these don't sound alike to me, though. I don't understand. And, and what I think this has in common with that is that ultimately it's not, it has nothing to do with aesthetic, which is where I got, I was wrong to be mad about it because I thought people were trying to peg an aesthetic and it has nothing to do with that. It does, I think, have to do with a kind of a cultural moment and a, um, you know, whatever generational shift, whatever shared influences we had that were, uh, that were finding their way into our work. So that I'm fine with, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with uh, having, having existed and having done work at a certain moment. But that's all it means to me. I, I, can't, I can't follow it any deeper than that. Hi, this question is for a uh, guy. Um, one of my favorite movies is uh, Prometheus, and you seem to have taken an interesting role with that. And it could have been casted by an older gentleman, but it was casted. But you played that part, and it was awesome. But can you talk about how you took that role, or why you decided to take that? Uh, <coughs> I'm glad you didn't ask me to explain the movie. Thank you. Um, uh, originally, when I was asked to play the role, you 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 were going to see the character in the middle of the film via the sort of the visual effects goggles that Michael Fassbender would, would put on in order to communicate with me, you, you would see my character as the, 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 the fantasy version of myself uh, while I was lying there asleep as a, as a hundred year old man. And the fantasy version of myself was as a young man on a yacht in the Caribbean with all these lovely beautiful women around. And so uh, Ridley believed that we needed to cast a younger man um, because we were going to get to that point. And uh, we shot the first part of the film that I was in and there was discussion about uh, whether Ridley was trying to find a boat that he liked. And he was having people fly around the world and look at these big fancy looking boats and they could never find one. And then. And they said, so go back to, to Australia, you're not needed for a while. When Ridley finds a boat, we'll shoot that sequence. And then, uh, so I went back to Australia and they, they said they couldn't find a boat, so Ridley's going to build a boat. Uh, so they, they, they started designing a boat and uh, then they realised it was all going to cost too much. And I think, I don't know when in the process, but Ridley somewhere along the way went, I'm not sure that we even need to see this scene because I think it's going to take us out of the movie. So they called me and said, we're not going to do that scene. And I said, you could have cast John Hurt in the role. And I didn't have to endure five hours of makeup every morning for 20 days. So, so we never did the scene. And in a way, I'm glad we didn't do the scene because I think it would have taken you out of the movie. And I'm not sure that you would have known that it was the same guy that you saw an hour before with, you know. So it was a strange experience and a strange sort of turn of events. You know, I think if they had have made that decision beforehand, there's no way I would have been cast, you know. Um, it was great for me to get to do it. And strangely, there was a promotional video that they had already decided to make. Because I'd said to them, I don't think 
you're going to know when you see me and suddenly in the middle of the movie, people are going to go, who's this? Why, is, why am I there? You know? And I think it prompted them to go, well, let's do this promotional video to promote the movie where we see the character as a young man giving a TED lecture. So we filmed that and they used it as advertising material for the movie. But then, as I say, we never ended up doing the actual, uh, the actual scene. So yeah, it was a strange kind of turn of events and just one of those odd things that happens and I had to endure five hours of full on makeup, which was an experience in itself. Yeah. Big budget filmmaking is uh, very different. It's very, very, very different. different, yes. Very different. Remember when we were sitting around for weeks when I was building a yacht and... Yeah. Yeah, but I had to build the yacht myself. We halted production, <laughs> I built a yacht, and then we got back to work. Yeah. And I'm going to uh, sail it home tonight. <laughs> no five-hour makeup session, so... No, no, no. No. <laughs> well, on that wonderfully idiosyncratic note... Kevin's actually British, though. That's the... We go backstage, and he goes, oh, that was a jolly good performance out there. And <laughs> <laughs> rah, rah, jolly hockey. Just let the rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. <laughs> so results opens Friday. It's really charming and fun. You should all go see it. Thanks for being here, and thanks for sticking around. Thank you, guys.